Welcome to the Wise Men Say podcast. It's an unexpected reaction podcast because, as you will all be aware, Phil Parkinson's reign on We Aside has came to an end. Statement read earlier this afternoon that Parkinson and his assistant manager, Steve Parkin, have departed after overseeing a total of 47 matches during his 13 months at the Stadium of Light. The juster man, that is Andrew Taylor, will be taking charge of the squad in the meantime. I'm Roy Fallow, joined this evening by Craig Clark. Hello. I am just, you know, in a state of numbed shock that... This <laughs> <laughs> is just always Philip your reaction. Is, Philip is no longer our manager. <laughs> this is just how you always react to Sunderland AFC news really now, isn't it, Craig? It is, it's just numb shock. I don't think I've ever come out of numb shock since uh, we got into League One, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, maybe even longer than that, to be fair. Uh, quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> We're also joined tonight by Mickey Loff. Oh, Phil Parkinson, we never knew you. <laughs> oh, well, some might argue we knew him too well, Mickey. And we're also joined tonight by Jimmy Ray. Jimmy, how are you? Nice to have you on. Hello, yeah. Um, I'm not the special management sacking correspondent. It's just a coincidence that I don't normally... Uh, don't normally maybe you should be. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe I will. I'll uh, use my expertise for that. Oh, no. um, nice to be on anyway, so let's hope we have, uh, let's hope we have some fun. Yeah, let's hope we have some fun. Well, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to do a, a quick little reaction to the news tonight and um, we'll have the, the Monday pot to look into things a little bit more detail. I'll be dropping for you about this time tomorrow from, from when we're recording, from when this one's dropping. Um, first place start, lads. It's it's the right time, isn't it? He, he had to go. We've, we've stagnated. We're pretty much banging the exact same position we were when Phil Parkinson first came in. The form recently has been terrible. There's been many frustrations in not just the style of play, but the way games are being managed with things like lack of substitutions. There's just There was just no defending it anymore, was the Craig, especially after the terrible start he had, despite it looked like he was turning things around earlier in the year. There's just been no progression at all, has there? I think that's the, the saddest thing, isn't it? At one point, when we were kind of winning these games to nil at the start sort of the start of the season, the draw with Charlton it looked unlucky. And those kind of the way the slant on things has completely transformed and what looked like an unlucky draw at Charlton has become like not exactly lucky draws, but like very disappointing draws for other reasons against teams like Doncaster and Fleetwood where we could have equally won those games, I suppose, in some ways, but you never felt like we were going to because we, we we didn't look invulnerable. We had looked pretty defensively robust and the minute that went, so did Parkinson in a way. It, it looked like he, he didn't have a way to figure it out because if his teams don't keep clean sheets, they aren't going to roll teams over by scoring lots of goals and he doesn't look like a man who has other kind of ideas to solve those problems and that's probably been his downfall ultimately. If you're going to play a defensive, negative, kind of ugly football... It has to be winning football, otherwise it's just ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, ugly is probably the the optimum word, isn't it? Like even even when we were winning we were quite aggressive and it wasn't but it wasn't exactly pretty, was it? Um and, and you know, as we said this, I think it was on the preview pod earlier this week, it means, doesn't it, Mickey, that when you're playing in that style, if things aren't going well, it just shines a light on it even more if it's quite an ugly style of football as well yeah it does I mean Friday night I think exemplified that it was just a very frustrating night overall 
So we scored a goal. I mean, I'm not going to say it was against a runner player because Fleetwood weren't great, but certainly we didn't look like scoring. But then from there, we didn't show any signs of kicking on and we were just like really kind of defensive. And when Fleetwood scored, you weren't surprised, not because Fleetwood had a flurry of chances, but just because of the way we set up. And I think that's kind of been a feature of our play this season. I think since the crew game, there's been such a dramatic drop off in performances and results. And I think at the time when we beat Gillingham and Ipswich, I was one of those people saying, oh, well, you can't complain when you get the win, particularly Ipswich, who was second in the league. And Gillingham, I think, we created the chances to win the game, despite the fact they missed a penalty. But now you're looking and it just goes to show that we haven't beat a team who haven't been out of 10 men or we've scored a penalty since that crew game. And I think that just completely sums everything up, just the way that things have deteriorated. So, yeah, I just think if you take everything else, all the off-field stuff, away from it I think it's entirely the right time for him to go because I just couldn't see any improvement yeah agree Jim your thoughts would you would you echo yeah I mean I think um, like like we've said I mean initially at the start of the season with the results were going well like fair enough you can sort of take it if if they're winning but there's very little margin for error with the style of play that we've had uh, the whole way through pretty much and I think that's the issue started with the Portsmouth game with the strange um you know, the choice of putting an iron at the back. And I think ever since then, sort of, things just seem to go wrong. And I don't know if that maybe had an effect on the squad as well. Um, clearly, that performance was poor. And I think that went a long way to sort of, I don't know, being the, the beginning of the end, if you like. Um, and obviously, people might say, well, you know, we're not that far away, but we, we're not playing well. We haven't really played well for a long time. And under Parkinson, we don't really play well very regularly anyway. So I think he, he he never really had much margin for error and, he, and it, as good a time as any is now when there's enough time left for things to be changed. We're not that far away, but it was either right man, no, probably never was. And just to quickly add on to that as well, if we were to go up into the championship, his championship record is very poor. So I think the other thing we've got to look at, especially with potential changes behind the scenes, is are we looking... Is he a long-term appointment for us? I doubt he ever was and ever could have been that man. Um, even if we'd have gone up, I don't know whether it would have worked well anyway. So maybe for him as well as for us, it was the right time for it to end. Um, by all accounts, not, not, not a terrible manager. Seemed quite a nice guy, but unfortunately just not for us. So hopefully it's time for us to change, turn over a new leaf. I think the problem was as well, I don't think Parkinson particularly saw this anywhere nearly as kind of badly as we kind of saw this run we've been on with them two wins in nine. And I think I agree with what you said the other week, Rory, after Rochdale, that I don't necessarily want Parkinson to come out every single week fuming and kind of like singling players out. But I think after Friday, when you... I think Gareth pointed out in the group chat the other day, it is losers talk and talk as if you're going to get sacked when you come out and you blame the pitch. Like, I mean, you're yeah. playing... Like, it's totally clutching at straws, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You're, playing, you're, you're managing in professional football. Like, you're not playing like Bayer's Green away on a Sunday. Like, you know what I mean? You've, you've, got to, you've got to have higher standards. And I just think when it's been quite consistent that he's come out and said things such as, ironically, before we played Burton Albion at home last season, saying that this is a must-try our hardest game when we're on a really bad run. When he comes out and says that we got a good point away at Rochdale when he comes out um, after the Doncaster games in Orwell VSB um, Lincoln and Ipswich it just kind of it all adds to this kind of idea that he's just not the man for Sunderland when we're in League One and expectations have got to be really really high and I just think that his attitude just kind of it just wasn't it just didn't sit right with me when you've got such a great opportunity at such a big club like Sunderland in League One 
and as as well, you need you need that inspirational figure. I think when things are such a mess off the pitch, you need someone who's going to really unite the fan base. And yeah, fair enough. I think the, the fan base always, would always be united if we were doing well and playing well quite consistently. But we needed someone to like bang their chest a little bit at times. Even even when we we're doing mm. like particularly well, it would have been nice to hear a bit more. You know, a bit more fighting talk from him. Even you know, yeah. and everyone, everyone pulls out Roy Keane as an example of that. But even like Chris Coleman did it, and we were pretty yeah, shit under Chris Coleman. But he seemed to still get what the at least you know in you know when he was talking to the media, you believed in him, didn't you? Mm. Even though we weren't doing very well, everyone thought under Coleman, and because we were a mess off the pitch as well, it bought him a bit more time, and people were thinking, oh well, he's probably earned the right to manage us in League One because he's not the main. Problem. And that's quite comparable mm. with Phil Parkinson because, you know, Parkinson has failed at Sunderland, don't get us wrong, but he's far from the biggest issue with Sunderland. And that's similar no, to a man like it, Chris yeah. Coleman. And that's why you need them to come out, not just necessarily when things are going badly to show a bit of fight and talk, but when things are going well, you mm. need them to inspire as well. So it's just so many, it's so many things that have came together for Parkinson, I think. And, and what you said is true as well, Jim, about how. You know, we're still not very far off. I think it was Ian Dennis has done quite a snarky tweet from the BBC saying sacked despite some of being mm. two points outside the playoffs. But that's ignoring the fact that Parkinson came in when we're in this position and he's not. Exactly. He, he, came he hasn't into taken it. us on. Exactly, he hasn't Craig. carried us forward. That exactly. Was the whole point of employing him to get us promoted. Yeah. Now, obviously, last season, circumstances meant that the season ended in a really stupid way that wasn't really fair to anyone. But there was nothing really to suggest that he figured it out. And and the patterns repeated itself. He had a spell where things were, you know, it looked better. It looked improved. There was some kind of formula. And then the minute the formula wasn't working, obviously last season things ended up curtailed. But this season, it's just looked like, where's the, what is he going to do to inspire this turnaround? And you do get the impression that he is one of those managers who is, in the dressing room, very much like he is with the press, not oh, particularly yeah, inspiring. And I think another thing that you say is, is entirely right, Rory. It's like the situation we're in, given the division we're in. As a manager, you do have to come out and be, this is a big club that's too big for this division. You need 100%. to connect with the fans in that way. Like If, if someone like Joey Barton can constantly antagonise the club by playing on that, then your manager should be able to play on it in a positive way. And yeah. just, he just hasn't. He's never had it since day one. No, he, he, he hasn't at all. But it's, it's, it's fine margins as well, isn't it? Like, we still aren't very far away. And that probably, you know... Is is that is that maybe down to Parkinson's not just how his lack of inspiration, but it, how rigid he is as well? Like, we've, we've said it many times on the pod, and we've alluded to it tonight. We have been... You know, the, the, the mad team selection against Portsmouth is a good example that's already being used tonight. And just sticking with that back three constantly this season when there were times he should have definitely changed it is, you know, could some tactical changes maybe have, have kept him in a, in a job? But obviously clearly doesn't isn't that kind of manager, but maybe that could have made the difference. I think like, um, for me at least, although uh, the mm. team selection pre-match was could be an issue, like his in-game management virtually the entire way through. Even sometimes when we won, was was consistently poor. Uh, he would pretty much every time wait too long to make changes, 
when, whether we were winning, he'd keep tired players on too long, which would often lead to, you know, m- mistakes and and getting pushed back. He would also be too late to change things if we weren't winning and needed. It was quite clear that what whatever he'd started pre-game wasn't working, and I think that that feeds onto the players on the pitch. And to a certain extent, you've got to think that the players on the pitch need to manage the game themselves, and they do. But I think that ultimately the leadership comes from the top, and um, on the footballing side of things, like setting of standards. Mickey mentioned it before, and I think you, I think the other two of you both did as well. Like the standards that you have to set with a club in this league when you're in this kind of situation we are like we've got a blend of experienced players who played at a higher level and young players who presumably want to aspire to move to a higher level so you've got to keep the standards incredibly high in order to be able to do that you have to show that you can inspire these these players you know what you're doing and you can make changes you're not scared, you're not afraid to play players you're not afraid to drop players and he would consistently play out of form players because he seemed to have his favourites. There'd be other players who barely got a game. I mean, Josh Gowan got signed in, in in January, and I don't think we saw him play until the start of this season. And you know, it, it, that's just one example. There's plenty of others. I mean, Charlie White obviously he scored a few goals this season. He played virtually every game under Parkinson, with consistently wasn't scoring nor playing well. So there was a horrible combination of not making changes when he should have been, and sort of favouritising certain players. To the to the detriment of others, and I think that affects well, the, the, the standards. The, the, legacy, that the legacy, the legacy will be obviously he took McGeady out of the t- well, not legacy. That's me putting it in a grand way, but he took he took McGeady out of the team, and obviously he, we haven't seen him all season. And said that was to give younger players a chance, but oh, then yeah. still, but then still hasn't used those younger players now. Whether yeah. they're not, whether whatever your opinion is on them. That makes you think. All right, well, we're going to try and do what we did when we first came down to League One. Give these mm-hmm. young players a chance, and you know, some of them flourished. We obviously saw that with Josh Madger, and even like Honeyman did it. Honeyman Denver would get Hume. back. He, he, he would Devin Hume, yeah, yeah, exactly. Craig Honeyman would get back in the team now as well. Like that's not. Like, oh, he's one of the top assist. Uh, I think he's top of the assist list in this division. Exactly. Uh, so while the likes of Dan Neal, Elliot Embleton, Jack Diamond might not be amazing. We've saw that Elliot Embleton's got something about him, and even like Neil and Diamond have like, you know, shown bits in preseason or loan spells or whatever. But he's he's not done that, and he's just stuck with tried and tested, tried, and, and it, go, it just goes back to lack of imagination, doesn't it, me? That's it. I, th- I think as well what sums up how bridge of the years, it was just his lack of basic forward planning. So, like Jimmy, I think you'd have been down Trambia last year, were you? Yeah. When we played mm, them on, yep. when we played. Yeah, when we played him on a bog, and, he, and I don't think he made a single change between that game on the Tuesday night and the sorry Wednesday night, wasn't it? So he didn't make a change from the Wednesday night to the Saturday when we played Portsmouth, which was like an infinitely much bigger game than Tramia. Yeah. You should yeah. have trusted your team to your squad enough to rotate, not was, heavily necessarily, yeah. but, but just take key players out of the game on the Tuesday. And I think he brought Kyle Lafferty on with less than ten minutes to go when Charlie White had absolutely ran himself into the ground. And like I say, the biggest thing that Worries me, but worried me about that was it's not rocket science to do that. It's something exactly that we could all see it, and we were even saying it in the stands. Like you could see they were knackered by the end of that Tramia game because not just because of the pitch, it was a tough game anyway. But when you play, that was the that was the middle one of three games in seven days, and it was an unusually tough set of circumstances to be playing in, and to not make a single change after it, I just. I, it's totally incomprehensible why he didn't, other than the fact that he's too scared to change anything because he thinks he's hit the winning formula. And he's continued that this season, hasn't he? I mean, we've seen, as as you've alluded to, and, and well, not just alluded to, as you've mentioned specifically, 
the in-game management isn't just like about making subs to change a, ga- a game that you're drawing into a win. It's about resting those legs. And he just he just doesn't seem... I think there's been a lot of takes on that. People suggesting that, you know, it's um, it's desperate or it's it's almost like he's trolling the fans because the fans want it. And, and it's like, it really isn't. He's just this manager. He's been like it since day one. Mm-hmm. I I remember when we sacked Jack Ross, and maybe this is something we can move on to the next section, thinking about where we go from here and what's coming. But me and Rory was reminding me just before we came on here that obviously the takeover was the failure of the FPP takeover. Uh, that that sort of came in, came to light, and then soon after, uh, Jack Ross was, was sacked as manager, and it was almost like it was hiding, trying to bury that news to focus on something else. The kind of names we'd been thinking about when Ross. We were thinking about moving on from Ross. Was I remember distinctly talking about someone like Chris Hutton who was out of work, and we were debating whether his style of football would be appropriate. Yeah. Like now, you would there would be no debate because Chris Hutton is stratospheres better than <laughs> Phil Parkinson. Phil Parkinson wasn't even on my radar, and many other people. Went, well, not one of us mentioned his name when no. we were talking about Ross's sacking. We, we did an hour-long reaction pod after that. Um... Check for a trophy game last season, didn't we, Craig? Like with me, you, and Gareth, and like you said, like, I think oh. that's the one I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah Mickey, that that name wasn't even, it wasn't on the radar whatsoever. It just wasn't on anyone's lips at all. No, it's well, and you know, look at him now, like cute and what he's at Nottingham Forest, isn't yep. he? Like you know, he's he's not, he's obviously still massively above this level. Um, sort of early favourites coming out for the jobs for the job now. Obviously, we're just going off Bucky's odds. So yeah, Gus Poyet is the favourite, um, which does seem quite remarkable. But obviously, there's been rumours rumbling about him for a few weeks now. Uh, Danny Cowley, Paul Cook, Nigel Pearson, uh, Nigel Pearson at nine to one there. Kevin Phillips at twenty to one. So from that onwards, you're getting mm. into the the higher odds. But Joe Royal, Joe, Joe Royal, unfortunately not <laughs> listed. Not here. Do you yeah, want to go? Well, I'll, I'll go right at the bottom <laughs> if you want. Like even when you even when you scroll down quite away, I'm, I'm looking on Skybet here and. And only goes as far as thirty-three to one, and even that's still like Paul Lambert, Paul Ince, Martin O'Neill, Kevin Nolan, Jimmy Floyd. Has Kevin Nolan, God, oh, yeah. Can you Steve, Steve Evans is twenty-eight to one. Like Gareth Ince well, is twenty-eight to one. That's Tom Walsh's favourite. Ross Agosto has got the likes of Lee Catamore and Roy Keane in at twenty-five to one. Just finished his well, badges, Catamore, hasn't he? So maybe. Will, but it's will, been a few heartbeats since it was. Uh, it would be a heartbeat. Uh, and <laughs> Roy, Roy Keane, Keane would be here. Be here. Yeah, yeah well. so I mean, maybe now's the time. I, to I'm be fair, Roy sure. Keane and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank have been in the uh, they were, yeah, they were, they studio. Were, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe, that's maybe the they're, on the way, they're on the way. They're on the way. They're on the way. Dave Jones tapping them up. Yeah. Up. Yeah, yeah, exactly with Dave Jones as well. <laughs> exactly. Come on, cracked it there, lads. It's all. Yeah, I was going to say. It seems so obvious now. What? Like that's clearly why he's been sacked. Yeah, that's why he's been sacked so suddenly. Like Dave Jones has had a word. The puppet master Jones. <laughs> did Jimmy, Who Jimmy knew? Floyd, Who would have known? Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Did he get? Oh no! I think he got Burton promoted from League Two, didn't he? I yeah, and then he, he went them. QPR after that. I think. And yes, didn't, that's didn't, yeah, and it just didn't, didn't do work well, for yeah. him at all. Did it? He, did, he didn't play well at Burton, I think. Um, at least, well at least initially. Yeah, yeah um, initially, yeah. Because he took over from Rowett, didn't? Or did Rowett take over? I can't remember, but yeah, he did well for a bit. 
Um, we're not previewing Burton Gareth and yeah. Stephen will be doing that tomorrow yeah. <laughs> um, maybe they can talk more about Jimmy Floyd then when he's been announced when he's been announced new yeah. <laughs> or when we come off the pod and he's been announced yeah, well, um, the news now. already broken who do you think um, well no rather than who do you think we're going to get lads who do you within reason obviously no Joe, Joe Royal shouts because Matt's not on the pod tonight um, who do you want Craig I'll come to you first who, who would you be going for it's really hard because you just it, it, the the word the word is takeover, isn't it? And it's so dependent on that. And even with that, we're not quite sure now what the split the shares is going to be. Who's going to be in charge of things when it happens? But if you could just pick anyone, I, I can see the appeal of Payet. But I think people do have short memories in football fan. And remember what it was like when he when he left that Bradford game in the cup. It was one of the most toxic atmospheres of any games I've ever been to. Yeah. There were people row in front of me and a row behind me almost trying to fight each other with like me and the people I was with in, in a sandwich and that isn't just all down to Gus there's a lot of other things going on but that was a well ironically given who we were playing that, that was a, a low very low point in the club yeah and don't never forget who did the job on us that well, day exactly <laughs> exactly I didn't even dare and say it really um, <laughs> but yeah I, I don't know about Poyet personally I, I actually think Paul Coop would be a good appointment I think Agreed. There's two big reasons for that. Will Grigg and Max Power, who yeah, won show. promotion with him twice. And I don't know where it's come from when people talk about him, this idea that, he, I, I don't know about his management style or people are put off by him. If you want to go out the division, he'll do it. And you can maybe, while he's doing that, getting you out of the division, which is the absolute priority, if the new ownership comes into place, if the takeover happens, if things start moving in the right direction, get the stuff sorted behind the scenes, you're under no obligation to stick with them next season. If you do get promoted, once you've got everything set up behind the scenes, then you can move on and start thinking about the next manager who's the person you want to do it for the next five years. Here. Well, that behind the scenes thing is crucial as well, just as a little <laughs> diversion from this. I, I want to single out this tweet from Ross Gregory, who's the um, the head of football for the the Echo and, and, and local media such as that. GBR made, of course, mate. Yeah, of course. You know, rep the brand there. Quick shout um, out. Get he, your he discount codes. Discount codes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but Ross, Ross tweeted, Sunderland are now without a chairman, a first-team manager, a head of recruitment, an academy manager, an under-18s manager. And, you know, that just shows how big a job this... And obviously, yes, we might have this investment slash takeover on the horizon, but it just goes to show, doesn't it, Mickey, like... The size of the job for the new manager coming in, it doesn't need to be one just of who's got the character to handle that. Like, it needs to be, we're looking once again, as we always seem to be, a character to lift the club when it's like yet again on its knees and everything's burning around him, doesn't it? See, I think Paul Coo can be that man because I, I know like it doesn't sound particularly like alluring and a few years ago if someone had suggested with a point Paul Coo would have been like kinda of terrified. But I think, like you said, he can get the best out of um, Will Grigg, which is essential, because I think if you can find a secret to getting Will Grigg scoring goals, your chances of promotion improve absolutely dramatically. Um, but I also think that he, just from what I can remember of him, he does seem to be quite a buoyant character in the media, and he kind of like calls things as they are. And I think the brand of football he plays like is quite attacking, and certainly with Wigan in this league before, they've scored a lot of goals. So like I yeah. say, while overtly it might not seem the most exciting appointment, I do think it's about as safe and about as good as you're going to get 
with the situation that we're in. So that's, would... that's the crucial point as well, Mickey, like as good as you, because that's been our worry. We've been saying that for the past couple of weeks now on the pod. Our main worry about Sack and Parkinson, whether that's the right decision or not, is do we trust this current regime to get at least as good a manager? Because Park and Parkinson is an all right League One manager and obviously we need an upgrade on that. And which I think Paul Cook would be, to be fair. I agree with what you and Craig have said. But, you know, do you think, Jim, do you think that we that we are gonna be able to, to tempt him to come in? Uh well, uh yeah. I think on a lot of a lot of levels, uh we would we would be attempted attempt an option for Cook. I think he did a fantastic job with Wigan, especially um sort of I guess relevantly given what was going on behind the scenes at Wigan last season as well. He uh, I think from the from January to the end of the season, I think Wigan were one of the best teams in the league, um, and obviously very nearly didn't go down even with the points deduction they ended up getting. He does play attacking football. He's managed some of the players we've had before. He's quite a big personality. I mean, he might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I don't think you want your manager to be everyone's cup of tea. I think that was potentially part of Parkinson's issue mm. was that he was too many people's cups of tea, if you like. I think he was too much of a safe bet. You need someone with a bit bit of bite about them and I think he's got that and he knows the division he wins promotions yeah um and I think also crucially he isn't unrealistic I think that we're a li- yeah. we are a oh, league yeah, one club and I think that like as much some of the other names you see like I know that we don't want to aspire to and I don't want to be one of those people who says we should settle for a, a league one manager but what I mean is like if you're looking at our job from the outside it's uh obviously issues behind the scenes plus the fact that it's a league, a league one job, and to an outside manager, it is, an, it is a league one job, and it's a tough one. Um, I think you're gonna you're gonna want someone who can back themselves to not only take us up to, but to make it a success in the championship. And I think Cook uh, hasn't had probably the tools to to manage a team that can be a success in the championship. Given that, yeah, that's true. Um, but I think he'd certainly back himself too, given what he did do with Wigan. Um, and I think that you know, fingers crossed, things will improve. Uh, in the back, in the background, or, or they may do. Uh, he obviously would probably want some level of assurance, as any other manager will, as to what's going to happen. Plus, also um, playing staff wise, I think you need somebody who's going to be able to, to, um, in the nicest way possible, um, cultivate the, the, play, nice the, play, the, the playing staff that we have now uh, to what we may need to do well in the championship, and who knows what what is needed to do well in the championship and I think that yeah. um, although he may not have got teams to the top end of the championship he has managed a struggling team to varying levels of success in the championship um, and so he may well be able to do I mean for me I, he'd be my number one choice basically is what I'm trying to say um, I think realistically Pearson could be better if but does he really want a league one job I'm not sure he would given that, well, that he's that's the thing that's the thing yeah. with Pearson like Pearson was I don't think that's given much away Pearson was very close to getting the job when Parkinson got it and it's he it, turn it down well could we not afford him that's that was my assumption the, well. he, Parkinson from what we've been told previously and I think I think this has been mentioned on the pod before they were going to bring Pearson was going to travel up for talks and then we gave the job to Parkinson which That's seems bizarre, bizarre. And apparently and, and apparently at the time Pearson was open at least to bring Kevin Phillips 
on either as his assistant or within his coaching team, which obviously would have been a big thing to unite the fans. Pearson, Pearson in League One, you know, that's... Well, I'm, I'm not necessarily that keen on I think he's a bit of like a twat, but maybe we need, yeah. a, bit of, but maybe we need a bit of a twat at the minute, to be fair. I think, I think like, he's mellowed it, a bit, but um, he's also had another Prem job since then as well. Exactly, so. that, that's, that's the thing. He could, he, could, he could probably get a championship job if he waits. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, that's totally. so the, the thing, the way you look at it is... It, it, again comes down to this takeover and what that is how it's constructed so in some ways you do wonder is the timing because it's basically on the verge of happening but even then if you if the stories about sporting directors being interviewed etc are true then there's going to be a lot more to employing this manager it's not going to just happen overnight because yeah there has to be someone that's going to work with that yeah. sporting director, doesn't it? And well, that's, otherwise, the, yeah. I mean, I think that's the key. I think um, it, it's not just about picking a manager, or it shouldn't be just about picking a name to get us out of the division. I think no. the, the, the main issue we've had, more so than the manager, without getting into non-football-related things, is the lack of football-related direction behind the scenes. Like, we haven't got any kind that's of massive. Um, direction. And I think if you look at any successful team from Liverpool winning the Prem, you look at Leeds, you look at Sheffield United, you look at Wolves teams who've done well in the Championship, to teams like Barnsley who've done well and gone up and stayed up, Luton as well gone up and stayed up from League One, they all had a sort of clear direction of what they wanted to do some of them, not all of them, but some of them had lost managers in that time, but still managed to carry on, Luton losing Nathan Jones but still going up is a great example of that and I think that like, until we have a coherent behind the scenes direction of where we're going to go of which a manager is a big part but he's not everything it's not going to we're not going to have the long term success because we need a plan of what we're going to do should we go up what are we going to do should we do well next season what are we going to do if we do go you know there needs to be a plan obviously you can't see into the future but I feel like at the minute we're just Certainly, Parkinson's appointment. Oh, was, Parkinson's appointment was definitely well. not made with any type of long-term plan in place whatsoever. Well, that's the thing, because I anyone who can even go on Wikipedia can see that he can't manage in the championship. Now, so why he was appointed? You know, time and why he took. He reportedly took training today, and he apparently was quite surprised, which in itself is surprising. Because come on, Phil, like, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, but that makes you think. <laughs> that's led people to saying. Oh, we must have someone lined up, but but we didn't last time. Exactly, when we got rid of exactly what that's I was going to. That's exactly mean. what I was going to say. You know, the, we've seen certain bits of news come out since the Fleetwood game about you know text messages and and things of that nature, and people starting to doubt whether this takeover, like who's going to be in control of things, and what you said before, Craig, is that the Jack Ross sacking was to bury the bad news of the FPP deal falling through. Is this? to bury is that oh shit there's this bad news we need to bury that and that'll placate a large section of the fan base whether and you know yes it still is the right time for Parkinson to go but has it been made with that in mind and I don't think you know people might be saying oh you're just being really cynical but I think we've got every right we've to be right. cynical. Yeah. We've got well, every right to be they've cynical. They've literally done it before, so like they've we'd be mad, it, to, not, we've we'd got be mad ev- to not think that they could have done it again. Like, yeah, we have been lied to. We have literally been lied to before. Yeah. Like, exactly, that's Craig. And that's why we're we're wondering. We're sceptical of you know. We're talking about Paul Cook, who I think we've all kind of agreed on. There would be a good appointment. Like, but are. Are we going to do that? That's like, are well, we going to get that kind of manager in? Um, I'm a little bit like cautious of time because we don't want to do too much. Yeah, yeah. Gareth well, and one Gareth- last thing, a last sort of thing on Cook is 
just to speak into all the things that have been said that are positive about him, and obviously it's just an off-the-cuff kind of pick here, but he is one of the names we discussed last year, and I remember us thinking... I remember Gareth thinking, you know, we could offer him a project that might attract him from Wigan because we're a bigger club than Wigan, where actually when you look at it now, if if what happened to Wigan hadn't happened, you can see why he would not have come here and it's nothing to do with the size of it's the club. It's a better time to get him be, now than it was last yeah, year. Definitely. It, it, well, potentially it is. It depends who's making the calls and how they're making the calls, doesn't it? That's going to be massive. Who's deciding what? Well, that's it. And that, who's yeah. like offering him the job? And that, given what's happened to him at Wigan, will he want to go through something potentially that, that's, similar? That's here? my main that, worry. That might put him off. Yeah. And while his stock is quite high as yeah, well, exactly. Want yeah. But you know, I've talked about Chris Coleman. There know. we are. Even though we're in League One, I still think we're capable of being a pull. You know, Chris Coleman had just came mm. off the back of Euro 2016, and we were fair enough. We were in the Championship, and we had a chance of staying up. And that's probably what you were looking at there. But, you know, Paul Cook's a bit of a downgrade from Chris Coleman at the same time. So I think for a manager like that, we still have that pull. You know, I know fans, I aren't, so. in, I know fans <laughs> aren't in the ground at the minute, but look at that stadium. Look at that training ground. Look at the fan base we have. All of those cliches. You mentioned it being a project there. For a manager like Paul Cook, is he going to get the chance to manage a club of that size? Because Wigan is Probably a much not. smaller club than Sunderland, mm. you know, despite the fact that they were in the championship last season. But still. Um, but Phil Parkinson's gone. We hardly knew him. <laughs> just over a year in the job. I think, I think we'll finish with something to try and cheer ourselves up a little bit, lads. What was your favourite moment? Or what was your, the moment that you think summed up the Parkinson reign the most? Who wants to go first on this one? Don't I'll all dive rush. in. I'll, I'll say my favourite moment was uh, finishing eighth based on points per game. <laughs> yeah, just it's just like that is the most it? Parkinson thing that happened because <laughs> yeah. we managed, if we just had slightly different results in those last two games, we would have gone up automatically. And that just sums it all up, really. We couldn't even manage because he had that absolutely shocking run. If he just picked up a couple of wins in that horrific run when we ended up 15th, yeah. we would have we gone up. And then we wouldn't even be in this position. Uh, the, the conversation we'll be having now will be something com- like completely different. We'll probably have different people running the club and all sorts of things. Oh, God. No, that, mad, this was supposed it? to be something like funny to cheer us up, Craig, and now I'm sad. Well, it's kind of funny because it's... <laughs> It's Dark only Sunderland yeah. that this could happen to, isn't it? It's like, it's so <laughs> Sunderland. I think, well, like, Mike. Mate, you give us. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go on, Jimmy. <laughs> no, go on, Jimmy. I was going to say, because my mind's like sort of similar to what Craig said, but like, if you want to like sum up, like, it was just, you know, the, um, the, the Simpsons bit where, um, Sideshow Bob steps on all the rakes. I feel like that's a yeah. great, a great <laughs> sort of like summary of part. Like, we beat Wickham 4 0, who ended up finished above us on points per game. His second game, we put five past Tranmere, and then we end up losing out on a combination of not quite enough points and, and, and a worse goal difference. And I just think that, like the, <laughs> the the fact that like we managed to put, pull that out, um, it's topped off by Michael Mandron scoring the goal that pretty much ultimately. Um, yeah. and, and although Michael Mandron didn't leave the club under Parkinson's reign, he was recent enough whereby it was just like one of them before the game. He's going to score, oh, isn't yeah. he? And not only did he yeah, score, absolutely. but he scored the goal that. They pretty much just sealed the fact that we finished eighth on points per game. So, um, Completely. perfect. Basically, <laughs> Phil Parkinson at Sunderland is the equivalent of stepping on loads of rakes. So that's why it's <laughs> <I> summed up. <laughs> Mickey, what about you? Favorite party moment? 
I'm going to go back to the old days where I used to be like really positive about everything. Um, <laughs> but no, <laughs> my favourite partners in the memory was probably coming out the ground after we beat Bristol Rovers 3-0. Um, it was only a couple of badly. It was only a couple of weeks before the season was curtailed, but yeah. it was kind of a little bit after like we smashed um, Wickham and Lincoln um, like three, like four nil and three one. But I just remember coming out of that game because we didn't actually take the lead till the seventieth minute. But then we went on to like absolutely battle them and like but we played really well. And actually coming out of that game, I thought, you know what I mean? You know what it is? We've actually started slowly. We haven't played particularly well in the first half. But we've come out and like we've won three 0 and played really well in the second half. And I thought, right, this is sustainable now. This isn't a flash in the pan. This is like we, we I actually I think I said on the reaction pod after that game, we're gonna get promoted. Narrator Sunderland did not win another game before the season was curtailed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, it's just it's just just so filling it. Just just parties luck. For me, That's, <laughs> yeah, that might be the episode title actually. Is that the, uh, um, the, the curb your enthusiasm little little? Should be that was like that under Parkinson that could have been played more than probably under any other manager. Yeah, like, he's, got perfect, perfect, he's got the perfect face for it. Hasn't <laughs> yeah. For me, for me though, I think it, I think we need to. To mention um, <laughs> Bucks and Day nil nil yes. at home against Bolton Wanderers. Yes. Kevin Phillips' the chance. League. We should, yeah, Kevin <laughs> Phillips' chance. We should be pushing on to win the game. So he's, you see, oh, Tom Flanagan, he's, he's taking the defender off. You look at who's coming on. It's Lawrence Debock. <laughs> <laughs> And that, oh, that yeah. ladies and gentlemen, that is probably why Phil Parkinson isn't the man for Sunderland, and if we're honest, probably why he finds himself out of a job. Um, Gareth and Stephen, they'll be back on Monday, probably today by the time you listen to this, you probably listen to this on Monday, to look into it in a little bit more detail. Hey, maybe they even have someone who's been appointed, who knows? Uh, myself and Matthew will be back on Thursday as well for the preview show. Let's see who comes in. Yet again, another new era is on the horizon at Sunderland AFC. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 